Russia threatens more strikes as the war in Ukraine seems close to a new turning point. The escalation came after the bombing of the Kirsch Bridge linking Russia's mainland to the Crimea. Kyiv is now seeking more military aid. So what direction will this war take next? I'm Tom McRae and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast where we dissect, analyse and help define major global stories. Well, let's bring in our guests now in Strasbourg, Alexei Goncharenko. He is a member of the Ukrainian Parliament and the Ukrainian delegation to the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe. From Geneva, Alexander Vortravers, Editor-in-Chief of Swiss Military Review and Security and a Defence Policy Analyst. And from Moscow, Andrei Baklanov, Vice Chair of the Association of Russian Diplomats and a former Russian ambassador to Saudi Arabia. A warm welcome to you all. Thank you very much for being on the programme. Let's first uh, begin with what's happened so far before we move on to how things uh, might play out from here. Um, Just in regards to the latest strikes uh, on Ukraine over the last 48 hours or so, Andre, I'd like to begin with you. The Russian Ministry of Defence said the goal of these strikes was achieved and, to quote, all designated objects were hit. So... Can you explain one missile hitting a children's playground in Kyiv? Was that a designated object? Was it a legitimate target? Well, uh, actually, uh, of course, uh, the, uh, the targets uh, this time were only uh, the uh, major uh, electricity and uh, other infrastructure objects uh, on the territory of Ukraine. Uh, it was the retaliation uh, for the incident we had in the Kirsch, uh, in the Kirsch Bridge. But also, I would like to say that uh, it was not uh, this uh, bridge, uh, uh, bridge uh, accident. It was not the only uh, cause uh, for the new uh, attack, uh, large-scale attack of Russian Federation, because uh, there were many, uh, well, military people and uh, million. Mil- many ordinary people in the Russian Federation that were criticizing uh, our uh, military operation for uh, developing a very uh, in very slow uh, speed. You know, this, we're saying that it was necessary to make dynamics uh, for this uh, operation. And uh, uh, it was uh, another, you know, um, um, visible uh, cause uh, for the decision taken by the president uh, of the Russian Federation to attack uh, this uh, large-scale uh, major electricity and other infrastructure objects on the territory of Ukraine. As far as the, uh, well, of course it was not me- uh, meant uh, to kill the innocent people, but everything can happen in, in the war. When it's a war, of course the people are uh, well, uh, it's not targeted, but they are the victims of the situation. So it could happen, of course. It's a sad story of the, of the war. Okay. Uh, but, uh, well, uh, I would like to say too, that uh, uh, it was uh, unintentionally, but uh, each day, each day, intentionally, the Ukrainian side are attacking Donetsk uh, Republic and uh, uh, other regions uh, uh, in which uh, many... Uh, many people are dying each day till now, till now, and they are making this intentionally. Uh, that's uh, the bad uh, side of the story, unfortunately. 
Okay, Alexi, your countrymen and women are living through these airstrikes. Many who uh, haven't been attacked in months like Kiev and Lviv haven't had airstrikes uh, um, since near the beginning of the war. So how difficult is it watching on and has it rattled uh, the public there, do you think? First of all, I want to add uh, to what I heard. 19 people were killed. No one of them is uh, army officer or soldier. So very interesting designated military targets Russian, uh, Russia has. Russia is a terrorist state, that's all. And Putin is uh, weak uh, to win over Ukrainian army. So he takes revenge on Ukrainian women and children in civilian residences in peaceful cities. That's the reality. Uh, for sure, we are very much concerned about what had happened because that was a brutal attack on the civilian infrastructure, energy infrastructure. It's very interesting to listen uh, that it was, was a retaliation for something. For what? Russia is making war against Ukraine from 2014, then full-scale invasion from February 24. So what retaliation they are looking for? They're just uh, making colonial uh, aggressive war. That's all. But uh, uh, yes, people are concerned, but... Uh, yeah, Putin uh, hope that this will cause panic in Ukraine, but uh, it's not the case. Uh, Ukrainians are already prepared. We know with whom we deal. We understand that for us it's existential. Putin wants wiped wipe out Ukraine from the uh, map of the planet. He is committing genocide, and Russia is committing genocide against Ukrainians on occupied territories. So we are not panicking. We uh, we understand. We are confident in our victory. Uh, so we are rebuilding everything we need, and for sure we are addressing to our uh, partners and allies to provide Ukraine with more weaponry to stop this terrorism. OK, Alexander, do you think that these latest strikes in Ukraine uh, are about hitting legitimate military targets, or is it about scaring uh, the Ukrainian population? Um, allow me to remain neutral after these two uh, series of comments. Um, I'll just uh, remind you of what uh, international law and the Geneva Conventions say, uh, targeting deliberately civilian uh, infrastructure or critical infrastructure such as uh, sewage installations or electrical power plants uh, that are going to be necessary for the livelihood uh, and health of uh, civilian populations of non-combatants uh, is, is technically a war crime. So I can only... Uh, stress uh, that it is very uh, and most unfortunate uh, that such uh, collateral damage has uh, taken place. Uh, what I do see uh, with regards to the latest uh, strikes uh, from Russia is two things. Uh, first of all, both sides are now extending uh, the battle and the fighting uh, very, very much deeper into uh, terror, into the, 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 the land, the, the territory far away from the front lines. Uh, the Ukrainians are doing this because their advances, either in the north or in the south, is now closer and closer to the Russian border, and they are targeting logistical supply for Russian forces. And on the other side, Russia is now targeting uh, targets or um, infrastructure that is deep uh, within uh, Western Ukraine uh, because Russia feels that this is where uh, the Ukrainian army is building up and training its conscripts and receiving new war equipment. So I can only say that both sides are actually extending uh, the area uh, that they are striking with their long-range weapons. 
OK, let's take it back a step to, I guess, what uh, brought on these latest round of airstrikes, the, the attack on the Crimea Bridge, the Kirsch Bridge. Um, now, Andre, Russia claimed this bridge was impenetrable to attack. It was a jewel in Putin's crown. So what happened and how embarrassing is this to Russia? Well, actually, it's a well, unpleasant uh, occasion. Uh, and uh, I'm sure that uh, the necessary measures will be taken, though, of course, the relevant people are under criticism uh, now. But, uh, well, um, I think that... Uh, what we can expect, we expect that uh, in two months' time there will be uh, a real change of the situation and we expect that uh, there will be the beginning of the new stage of the development of the military affairs. Uh, and uh, now uh, what uh, the aviation did and artillery did, I mean uh, this the 30 percentage of damage uh, to the electricity, this is uh, the warning, the warning. And this is the start of the uh, of the new uh, well uh, uh, new kind of the much more scaled uh, operation. But uh, uh, the 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 main operations will be uh, not now, but uh, no less than two months uh, time when we will have uh, um, the regiments coming uh, to the territory. I would like to say that uh, uh, we call this operation the liberation of Ukraine, exactly as we liberated Ukraine many years ago from Nazi, but uh, mainly Nazi uh, of, uh, uh, of European origin or German uh, origin, but now we liberate once more. But the quantity of the troops that liberated at the Second World War was uh, 23 times more than the, uh, the quantity of the troops we have now. We started with very, with very uh, well, a limited uh, number of the of the of the of the troops, which were much less than the uh, rather good uh, trained troops of uh, the Ukrainians. So far, uh, there was a very limited scale of the operations. But okay. it might be that uh, this guy we will will be more in the months to come. Okay. Well, you know, Russia has uh, said that uh, Ukrainian security services are responsible for blowing up the Crimea Bridge. Alexander, Putin's called it an act of terror. What do you think happened? How do you think this bridge was attacked so successfully? <laughs> you know, one of my fields of uh, study in, uh, in academia was uh, military and political incidents. And what I can say is uh, it will take some months and perhaps years in order to figure out uh, what exactly happened. What we can say is that the official um, um, uh, story that has been told of uh, a truck carrying explosives and producing this uh, kind of damage, uh, this official version uh, does, not, uh, does not hold up. Uh, the munitions that were necessary in order to produce this kind of damage are either uh, large bombs, uh, we are talking about several hundred kilos, uh, or we are talking about deliberate uh, special forces attacks. So uh, whatever has uh, effectively happened in order to cut uh, that bridge, uh, the official story that we have been told of a truck blowing up is, is not correct. In any case, Ukraine has now demonstrated on at least two occasions that they have the ability to strike 
deep uh, behind the lines of Russian troops. And this is uh, extremely worrisome for the Russian uh, war effort uh, because the train, for example, that caught fire, uh, that was uh, stuck uh, for more than a day on this uh, particular bridge mm. was carrying 1.6 million uh, liters of fuel. This is the kind of fuel that is necessary to sustain military operations in the south in the Kherson region for two days. So definitely what we can expect uh, very soon is to see Ukrainian troops uh, mount offensive in the Zaporizhia and Kherson uh, area uh, to try and gain an advantage from the stalling uh, of the Russian forces in the south. OK, let's just move on slightly to uh, what Ukraine is asking for now. The G7 and NATO are, are discussing what more it can do to help Ukraine. Uh, Oleski, uh, in fact, um, you know, NATO's Secretary General has said it was a top priority. So how heartening is it to, to hear that help is on the way and what exactly are you asking for? Are you getting enough? Yeah, first of all, uh, we are very thankful for all support we are receiving. Uh, and uh, answering your question, is it enough? Well, the answer is very simple. Enough will be when there will be final victory on the battlefield. That will be enough. And uh, today we have a unique window of opportunity. What I mean, uh, if Ukraine in the end of March would have a weaponry that we have today, high marses, hovitzers, um, then everything, all this war would be finished in uh, spring. Because when Russian forces were retreating from Kiev after failed Blitzkrieg, um, that was the moment for us to purchase them. But unfortunately, at that moment, we had not with what to purchase them. And uh, then they changed the tactics, replenished, refreshed, started this First World War-style warfare, trench war uh, with a lot of artillery, just destroying, uh, putting into rubbles uh, Ukrainian cities. Uh, now we have again the moment. If Ukraine today, now, will receive long-range missiles to high marses, MLRS, uh, tanks, because for the moment we haven't received any one Western tank, um, we could finish everything in weeks. I really believe in this, because one, two, three more military defeats, Putin's regime would not survive. Okay. After their military uh, catastrophe near Kharkiv, after their catastrophe in Kherson region, uh, they, this regime is shaking, and this is the moment to finish it. OK, Alexander, you're our military expert. Do you agree with that, that it would be over in weeks if Ukraine got everything it was asking for? No, I do not believe so, but I believe that both sides have uh, lost tremendous amounts of uh, personnel and, in particular, material. Uh, both sides have lost more than 50% of the equipment with which they have started this uh, confrontation. What we are seeing, however, is that Russia is uh, trying to move uh, military equipment out of its stocks, out of its reserves, to modernize this equipment. It is also mobilizing troops and uh, sending these troops uh, into battle with very, very little uh, training. And on the other side, you have the Ukrainian uh, military forces that have been able to not only uh, stop uh, the Russian advance, but they have uh, been able in several areas to make uh, deep counterattacks, deep strikes 
uh, within the Russian lines mm. uh, that are now uh, completely destabilizing the, the front line. So what I would say is that uh, we are seeing uh, the Ukrainian military being refurbished with more and more NATO equipment. And uh, I would not be so optimistic, but I would definitely say that in the spring of next year, the Ukrainian military will not look uh, as it does today. It will have more and more NATO or Western equipment. Mm. And also the troops that it has mobilized uh, in February and March and the volunteers have now received a lot of very good training. And so the, the balance is now shifting and the Ukrainian military forces is, is gaining. It is not only stronger in terms of numbers, but also in terms of quality uh, compared with Russian forces. Just sticking with weapons and the most destructive of all nuclear weapons have been talked about uh, more in the last week or so than uh, probably through the rest of the war combined. Now, Joe Biden uh, said the risk of nuclear Armageddon is the highest in 60 years. Andre, you are in Russia. Do you agree with that statement? Does it feel like we're potentially on the brink of a nuclear war? Well, uh, actually, uh, we have another vision of the development of the situation. We, uh, well, we didn't uh, exploit our military might uh, 100%. Uh, we, uh, Putin said that... Uh, uh, in, uh, mil in strictly military, uh, well, uh, uh, military attitude, we didn't uh, start the uh, real war activities in Ukraine. It's just a limited operation and no more. But unfortunately, unfortunately, it became some more and more uh, uh, full-scale operation. And, uh, well, um, uh, as far as scenarios are concerned, of course, uh, the next uh, scenario will be the defeating uh, of uh, the transportation lines and uh, the promises that the Western countries are giving to the Ukraine, they, can, they will not be fulfilled because uh, if the transportation lines uh, will be annihilated and uh, uh, there will be no real opportunities uh, to bring uh, uh, big quantities of the troops and the uh, instructors and the big quantities of the of the military equipment to, to the land. So far, we did not uh, did this job, and uh, uh, many of our uh, citizens are criticizing the army force for such mild uh, manner of the of the development of, of the situation. But also, I would like to say something. You know that what we are discussing now, it's not just the matter of the military operations and political difficulties, but this is a great tra tragedy for all of us. For instance for the families like my family is because I simultaneously belong to the Ukrainian society and the Russian society. So this is, uh, uh, well, uh, our heart uh, is uh, now under attack, uh, you know, uh, because of the development of the situation. And we are very angry for the for the leaders uh, which were in 50s and 60s mm -hmm. and 70s and uh, they did not prevent the development of these nationalist tendencies uh, okay. in Ukraine, which gave way to war. Okay. Before we finish, I just want to talk briefly about diplomacy because there's been a lot of tough talk, um, you know, from all sides, especially Ukraine as well. Zelensky said he's not going to negotiate with Putin. Alexei, do you think that there is any space at all for negotiations? And when do you think that could begin? First, uh, you know, Russian representative is saying that... Uh, they are not using all their might. But the question is, what for in this case, they're making mobilization in their country, from which hundreds of thousands of their men are running away from Russia. 
that's like apotheos of their regime when Russians are running from Russia. So listening about bleeding hearts uh, from the, what's happening. So they are killing us and saying that their hearts are bleeding. Wow, it's uh, something very impressive. Uh, speaking about diplomacy, uh, it's very clear. Putin cut all ways to diplomacy. He destroyed it with this decision to annexate our territories and to announce Ukrainian territories Russian. Nobody in the world accepted this so-called sham referenda. Nobody will ever accept it. And we, about what we can negotiate today, uh, we will never give up our territories. We will, can, can't leave our millions of Ukrainians under uh, genocide. So the only way uh, now is for us is to liberate our lands. So we are ready to any negotiations, any moment. But about one thing, Russia retreating from our territory. We don't want any inch of Russian territory. But we will never give up any inch of ours. Does that include Crimea? For sure. Crimea is Ukraine, internationally recognized by the whole world and by Russia itself. Russia, during these uh, 27 um, years before attack on Crimea, uh, many, many times, uh, sorry, 23 years, sorry, signed documents that they recognized that Ukraine, uh, that Crimea is Ukraine, and they recognized our borders many times. And also they gave us guarantees in 1994 when we voluntarily gave up third biggest nuclear arsenal in the world for the first and last time in human history under the guarantees that they will never attack us. But you see what uh, does it cost Russian guarantees. Indeed. Uh, Andre, just very briefly, Putin's uh, mentioned that he may be open to meeting with the US President Joe Biden. How serious is he and how likely do you think that is to happen? Well, uh, actually, uh, well, uh, it seems to be that uh, this time this this will be something real. I mean that uh, the meeting will be there, but I'm not quite sure that uh, the topic of Ukraine will have uh, any 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 uh, you know positive horizons. Uh, uh, the diversity of the positions are there, and uh, uh, now uh, when the situation in the front is very much unstable in each of the of the. Uh, of the side claiming its victory in the future, <clears throat> there is very uh, limited ground for for the U.S. and uh, Russian uh, successful negotiations. I think okay. that uh, this kind of unstable situation will prevail in the months to come. Thank you very much to all our guests, uh, Alexei Goncharenko, Alexander Voltrevers, and Andre Baklanov. Thank you very much for being on the program. That's it for the Inside Story podcast. This episode was produced by Mohammed Al-Archi, Nihad Al-Abedi, Asiba Umutlu and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Ranjit Kurian. The program was edited by Anir Bansaka, Lynn Nguyen and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again on Thursday.